Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There once was a man who dared God to speak. Burn the bush, he said, like you did for Moses, and I will follow. Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua, and I will fight. Steal the waves like you did on Galilee, and I will listen. And so the man sat by a bush near a wall, close to the sea, and he waited for God to speak. And God heard him, and God answered. He sent fire not for a bush, but for a church. He brought down a wall, not of brick, but of sin. He stilled the storm, not of the sea, but of the soul. And then God waited. God waited for him to respond. And he waited. And he waited. And he waited. But because the man was looking at bushes, not hearts, bricks and not lives, seas and not souls, He determined that God had done nothing. So he looked at the heavens and he shouted at God, have you lost your power? To which God replied, have you lost your hearing? You see, I think all of us long to be used of God. Is that true? I trust that's why we're here. I trust that everyone here would love to see God. In fact, in all the years of ministry, I've literally heard many of God's people do the same. And yet they say it in question, Pastor, I asked God to speak and he didn't say anything. I asked God to move, but he didn't move. I tried the God thing, but I'm going to say what I've always said. Trust me, if you would have truly tried it, you would have seen, you would have heard. But therein lies the problem, isn't it? I think we're a lot like this man, and I think therein lies our struggle. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Luke 24. Go to Luke 24, and I want to show you something that I think will change your life. I think it will help the church in a very profound way. And I say that and preface it That as I say it again, I want you to catch this. This isn't about me showing you something. I believe that God has given me something and he wants to reveal that to you. God wants to show himself and help us understand. Maybe if you will, I offer it in question, but I think it's truly factual. That what I'm going to show you, what God revealed to me is the issue in our world today and why we're not seeing, at least in this country, what God wants to do. Luke 24, and it's a story that has a title, if you will, called The Emmaus Road or The Road Going to Emmaus. It's a story that usually follows after Easter, thus why I'm doing it. But too often, I think the text gets overlooked of all that it's impregnated with. 
And I hope to show you that as we walk through this, not quite verse by verse, but pretty close. I don't know if you know this, but after the resurrection of Easter, Jesus made two appearances before he ever appeared to the eleven. Now I remind you, we all know that it was 12, but Judas is no longer a part of the group. We're not going to speak to that. I'm trusting that most of you know. If you don't, you should read the story. But the remaining 11, Jesus would appear to them, but before he would, he would appear, if you will, to two, three, actually, people. The first is to Mary Magdalene. I remind you, she's the prostitute that Jesus changed her life. And here to two more, to these two on this road to Emmaus. If you've got your Bibles, if you'll look at Luke 24, beginning in the 13th verse. That same day, now let me help you with it. This is the day that we call Easter. This is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. This is the day that the stone was rolled away. This is that same day. If you know this story, the disciples that we know of the 11 who happen to be all men, I say that because too often therein lies the problem with this story. But if you know the scriptures or you've at least studied them, you need to know there may have been as many women disciples as there were men. I also just want to go out there, men, that we would get off our high horse, if you will, because if it wasn't for the women disciples, we would have missed the resurrection completely. I want to say that again, because I have a real problem when people say, well, women can't be in ministry. Well, I'm going to offer to you that you may want to reconsider, because to Jesus, they were a key to his ministry. And I, I don't know when people want to walk down the road of, of, of scriptures, but more often than not, you've got to remove the context of what's really being written to even, if you will, find foundation for that thinking. And I'll just say it again. If it wasn't for the women, the men would have missed the resurrection. Because on Easter morning... It was this broken prostitute, this redeemed girl of the world that went out to the grave. And I fully believe that she went there because she believed what Jesus had said. And Jesus shows up. The second that we have where Jesus reveals himself is to these two on the road to Emmaus. But I want to help you with this because I think there's some things in the story that we don't want to miss because it's so easily pushed off, but I think it's a word that we need to hear today. So I want to help you again, Luke 24, verse 13, that same day, two of Jesus's followers. Notice there are two in the story and they are described as followers of Jesus. They're walking to the village of Emmaus, the same day that Jesus had been resurrected, and they're on their way away from Jerusalem, not heading towards it. These are followers. They are two. 
One we know, if you continue to read, you will know his name is Cleopas. When this story is told, more often than not, we assume that the other one is male as whale. But what if I told you that this was Cleopas and his wife? You see, understanding Hebrew history, you would know to the fact that later in the story, as they get closer to, this, to the city of Emmaus, the village of Emmaus, something's going on that they want a little bit more because Jesus is walking with them. But I remind you, they don't know it's him. But when they get there, they invite Jesus into their home. Why is she not identified? Because, again, I remind you, up until Jesus, women weren't counted. Women were always known to be, here's Cleopas and his wife. That's why I like when Terry Rosendahl introduces, if you will, his wife. He says, this is Barbie and I'm her other half. <laughs> I always like that. But this is Cleopas. And the chances are it is his wife. Here's what we also know. Cleopas shows up in scripture one other time. And it's his wife at the foot of the cross. She's one of the Marys. Mary, the wife of Cleopas. We do know that these two were followers, not just by identification, but the very fact, because when Jesus talks with them, as you read the story, you will discover that they tell Jesus the entire events that have already happened that day and literally say that some of our women had went to the tomb, which means that these two were in the upper room with the other 11 when Mary came back and said, he's risen. They're very averse to what's already happened in the events unfolded. And you say, why do I say this? Because they know that Jesus did what he said he would do, and yet they're walking away from Jesus, not towards him. They're leaving what they knew behind. And I fear that that's happened in the church. There's a lot of talkers when it comes to Christ, but he didn't call us to talk. He called us to walk. And I fear that that's all going on in high degree in God's church today. But something beautiful is going to happen. Something incredible, beautiful is going to happen. But I want to tell you again, there's two. There's high chance that this is Cleopas and his wife. I will offer the fact that I could be wrong because I find it interesting in the story that it's Cleopas and the other. Cleopas and the other. I wonder... If there's a reason for that, that maybe this is God's way that you and I can put ourselves into the story. Maybe you and I are the other disciple as well. Just so you know, the city of Emmaus, we do know in this story, it's seven miles from Jerusalem, which means you can walk it there in a day and walk it back. But did you know that even historians, the city today doesn't even exist? We have no idea where Emmaus is. We know it's somewhere seven miles, but we don't know where it is. To the north, east, west, south, we don't know. 
which I also find interesting because it's really not the city, the destination in which they're walking. It's the story of the one they're walking with. And maybe every one of us in this room are the other disciple. And for us to really get Jesus, we too have to walk in Emmaus Road. So I want to offer those two things as we're walking through this, or these multiple things. But I'll say this. They didn't recognize him. And on every encounter after the resurrection, don't miss this, on every encounter after the resurrection of Jesus, every time at first, no one recognized him. No one did. And I want to help you why. And if you know the story again, if you don't, I want to show you this. Luke 24, 13th verse. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. It's pretty fresh. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God, y'all know how much I love butts. You're going to hear that a lot in this message. I love a big butt, I'm telling you. But God kept them from recognizing him. Isn't that interesting? I wonder how many of you right now, God is keeping himself hidden from who you are or who he is in your life. He's not playing boogeyman, but there's a reason because you need this Emmaus story. You've yet to make the walk. And you don't even realize who's beside you. You don't realize who wants and longs to be within you. You have no idea you're not alone. But God kept them from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all about the things that have happened these last few days. I love Jesus. What things? <laughs> and they begin to disclose this is an amazing story. I trust it's going to change your life. But why couldn't they recognize him? Do not miss this because it has to be stated. I said it last week. Until you come to who you're not, you're never going to come to who he is. I'm going to say it again. Until you recognize who you're not, you will never, 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 never come to him. You'll come to church. You might even know what it means to put on a good religious front, but you have no clue who he is. Because until you die to yourself, you will never gain life in him. That is a fact, people. You can be a member of a church and completely miss it. Why did they not recognize him? And do you know why? Because they were in sorrow and grief for themselves. 
Let, let me say it another way. When you stay beside yourself, you will never able, never be able to recognize the one beside yourself. Let me say it again. When you stay beside yourself, you will never be able to recognize the one beside yourself. You see, for these two, their faith had been shattered. Their hopes had been dashed. Their prayers weren't answered. Their belief in everything of what they thought Jesus was supposed to be was gone. In short, they didn't get what they wanted. What they missed was Jesus gave them everything they needed. And you'll read it in verse 21. But we were hoping he was the one. It's a problem in the church. There's no me, there's no we, there's just he. God has a purpose, God has a plan, God has a vision, and it's exceptional, and it's not mine, and it's not yours. I've said it all the time. God doesn't want to bless what you're doing. He wants you to get, a, get, a, get in on what he's already been blessing. We thought, we thought, you might want to write this down, doubt blocks everything but doubt. Doubt blocks everything but doubt. This is what James meant when he said, when you ask God, be sure that your faith is in God alone. You can't have a divided house. You can't have a divided heart. Jesus said, you're either going to love one and hate the other. You can't have it both ways. God's not interested, if you will, of redeeming this world. This world has already been passed on. Satan can have it. It's a cesspool. And God says, it has an expiration date. And I know what it is. I want you to get about the living and what I'm doing. Because something greater. And Jesus said, it's already here. And yet, how many of us keep missing it? Folks, listen to this. America doesn't need God. God's already here. He's been here. It's the words that my dad said when I, when I took on, if you will, this call to move to Sioux Falls. He said, Keith, if I could tell you this, you need to get this. God was in Sioux Falls before you got there, and he'll be there after you leave. Make no mistake about it. Don't think you're showing up and bringing the city of Sioux Falls something they've never seen. <laughs> but he did say this. But lift him up because I'm sure that there's many in Sioux Falls. They've just never seen him. He's here, people. He was before your marriage. He just wants to be in it. He was before your kids. He just wants you to let them and show them him. He's a good God. When you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver. 
For a person with divided loyalties is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Watch this. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So I want to illustrate this because it's a little hard to see here when you're doing this here. And this was the problem on the Emmaus Road. See, I'm not sure they didn't recognize Jesus because they never even looked at him. We just thought he was the one. Now what are we going to do? That's why the Bible says lift up your eyes so you can see where hope comes from. Lift them up. The eye is the lamp of the body. And yet how many people, well, you don't know, Pastor, what's happened to me. You don't know what so-and-so did. Every time I try to do something, every time. About the only thing I can help you with is you need to bend over so I can give you the left foot of fellowship. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I love big butts. <laughs> it ain't over till he says it's over. Yes. Come on, say it with me. It ain't over till he says it's over. Guess who initiates the conversation? Read the story. You got two people walking to Emmaus. And Jesus shows up and starts walking with them. They don't even realize it. And guess who initiates the conversation? Jesus does. They're all. And Jesus is like, hey, what's up? What are you guys looking down the ground for? I mean, I wonder if Jesus is like, what are you looking at? You the only one that doesn't know? I just wonder, have you ever, you ever seen those where, where those, the person's like, I, and they're, and, but they're looking where I wonder when they're walking, Jesus jumped in front and he's like, you know, but they're so wrapped up, so wrapped up. Why are you depressed? See, I love this moment, like in the garden with Adam and Eve. Jesus does what he always does. Let me say it again. Jesus does what he always does. He walks with us. He talks with us. Whether you see it or not, he's in everything you've been doing. He's walking. And just like in the garden, God shows up, Christ shows up. And where's Adam and Eve? They're hiding. And what, is, what does God say? Where are you? It's not that God didn't know where they were. It's that they didn't know where they were. And the same thing's going to happen here. The exact same thing's going to happen here. See, I think it's, it's, it's the way that Conrad Gempf, in his book called Jesus Asked, he writes, if you and I were to meet Jesus on the street today, 
he would more likely ask you something than tell you anything. And do you know why? He knew the answer. I mean, think about it. Why are you guys so down depressed? He knows. The Bible said there's nothing hidden. So why would he ask him why? Because he's trying to help them understand they don't even know why. There's no point in me giving you the answer when you've not even learned to ask the right question. This is an amazing moment. Why are you so depressed? And may I add, is anything too difficult for the Lord? See, I don't know what you're facing right now, people. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what keeps you from glowing, from showing, and to knowing him. I don't know what it is. I don't know what excuse you keep coming up with. But God wants to meet you on the Emmaus Road. He wants you to see something that you're not seeing. He wants to show you something that you don't get. And it's so much greater than anything you can fathom. So when they get to Emmaus, Cleopas and this other, they're struggling. But ain't what? It ain't over till he says it's over. Come on, you got to do better than that. But it ain't So, so these two ask their mystery man to stay and be their guest. I don't want you to miss this. They ask their mystery man to stay and be their guest and to share a meal. Don't miss that. This is so incredibly powerful. Look at verse 28. By this time they were nearing Emmaus. And the end of their journey, their journey was just about to begin, people. Jesus acted, notice that, as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. <laughs> I want to help you with this because in Eastern practice of hospitality during this day, Jesus had probably already been asked a time before. Because that's why we read in verse 29, they urged him. They urged him. So let me help you with this. Imagine today you run into a friend. What's the first thing that everybody always says in greeting? Hey, how are you? Now, they're not asking for you to give them an essay of your day, okay? I'm just being honest. Try it sometime. How are you? have a seat. <laughs> and you start pouring your heart out and see how it goes. You'll get some serious body language. You know what I mean? Like, listen, I wasn't really asking, you know, cause that's what we do. That's the greeting, the standard greeting. Because what, are, what do we do when we hear that? You know, how are you doing? I'm fine. And now the relationship is together. And then we ask the next question. So what you been up to? The same thing is happening here. And here's what I want to help you with. The natural Eastern hospitality was not how are you doing. Every time you were with somebody and the relationship was about to end for that day, you always said, would you like to come over for supper? Natural is breathing. And your natural response would be, no, appreciate it. And you just moved on. 
But if you really meant it, you would say it a second time. And that's what we read here. But they urged him, which means they'd already asked. Something's going on in the story. But I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. When you are asked how you're doing, and you say, I'm fine, and someone says, no, 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 no. How are you really doing? Everything just changed, didn't it? When you said, would you stay the night and, and join us for a meal? And you said, no, nah, I'm good. But then you said, no, no, no. We really want you to. Everything changed, right? Jesus accepts the invitation. Remember, he acted like he wanted to go on. I, I, just, want, I just want to highlight this. God will never force his way into your life. And some of you, you made the invitation. God, come into my life. And he acted like he needed to go on. And you let him. It's as Jesus said, how are you doing? I'm fine. And then you just went on. Jesus accepts their invitation because they urged him. They wanted whatever was going on in their heart. We know about that because that'll come up in a moment. Jesus accepts their invitation. Anybody ready for this? Guess what happened? Everything changes. Look at verse 30. And we're just about to the story that's, that's, that's the game changer. Verse 30, when Jesus was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, this can be easily missed. And I think it gets easily missed today. If you were sitting at that table that night, your whole world would have been thrown off. The moment this happened, it would have wrecked your life. And the reason for that is, according to Hebrew tradition, Cleopas is the head of the table. It's his home. It would have been his responsibility to take the bread, to break it, and to feed his guest. But Jesus is never a guest. He's God. And when you let him into your life, you're no longer the head of the table. If you think you are, he's not in your life. You never make God a guest. He's God. And when he comes into the house, he assumes that role. And this had to wreck Cleopas. You ready for this? Because, and don't miss it, Jesus strips him of his identity. And he wants to do the same to you. That's what salvation's about. That's what surrender's all about. And precisely why we all need an Emmaus Road experience. Cleopas and this other become the guest in their home. And Jesus assumes the head of the table because he's never a guest. He's God. 
Which, by the way, I just have to ask, where in your life have you been treating Jesus as a guest? Like, how are you dating right now and saying, I'm a follower of God? Are you honoring her? Or are you taking from her? So you don't start dating and put the word aside and say, God, you just stay outside the door right now. We, we got to do this our way. He ain't a guest. He's never second, third, or fourth. He's always first, whether you make him that or not. How are you when it comes to your finances? How is it as you come to how you're parenting, developing your relationships? Are you treating him as a guest? Or is he God? This is an amazing moment. So Jesus takes the bread, he breaks the bread, and Jesus hands the bread to them. And when he does, this is the most important part. Verse 31, look what it says. Their eyes were, whoa, 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 whoa. Their eyes were, okay, let me recap this. When they first meet Jesus on the road, they don't recognize him. On the entire seven-mile walk, they don't recognize him. When he comes into their home, they don't recognize him. When he sits at the table, they don't recognize him. When he picks up the bread, they're freaking out. But they don't recognize him. But, and I love big butts, the moment he breaks it and hands it to them, their eyes are open. Their eyes are open. Their eyes are open. So here's what I want to do. I want to help you with this. In fact, Reed, just come on up here. Just up there. Okay. Corey will help you up. <laughs> so. <laughs> Bible says we're to respect our elders, right? <laughs> so important. Do not miss this. Do not miss this. Jesus takes the bread. They have no clue who he is. Jesus breaks the bread. They have no clue who he is. But when they take the bread, what's exposed? When they take the bread, what do they see? You want to see Jesus and hear Jesus? It will only happen when you get the eyes off your wounds and onto his. How, how do you take communion and remember when you make it still about you? How, how do we walk and claim who Christ is when we still go with him with our woes rather than walking in his will? Some of you are still on an Emmaus road. If you want to hear him and you want to see him, it's when you get your eyes off your wounds. And as for the church today, and on to everybody else's. 
Think of others more important than yourself. That's what Paul wrote. No greater love than this that you'd lay down your life. You want to be first and be last. You want to be leader than serve. You need to deny yourself. You need to die. Pick up that cross and die. And now you can follow me. The moment they take the bread, they see the hands and their eyes go, boom. And everything changes. Everything. That's what the prophet Isaiah wrote. By his wounds, we are healed. And until you get your eyes off yourself and onto him, you're never going to see him. You see, when the now great French writer, Marcel Prost, began his career for a magazine, he had to fill out a personal questionnaire. You know what I'm talking about, an application. That handwritten application just sold at an auction back in 2003 for almost a quarter of a million dollars. On that application, a question was asked, what profession would you have chosen had there been a lack of paper preventing you from becoming a writer? Without any hesitation, at least that's what is said, he wrote these words out. I would have chosen to be a baker. It's an honorable thing to give men their daily bread. Do you know what he was saying? You get fed only when you feed. When someone walks in and says, hey, Baker, those crescent rolls are the best. Oh, yeah, that's why I make them. You find your living in your giving, but you can't give until you really got and you recognize that his wounds are bigger than yours. And you never forget what the cross was all about. This is a word for the church today because it's not just in the breaking of the bread as it is as much as in eating of it that enables us to see. Wounds speak volumes, do they not? Wounds speak volumes. The moment they see his wounds their despair is dispelled. Their doubts are dismissed. And I want you to write this down. Wounds speak. They speak of his sacrifice and what you and I are supposed to be. That we would lay our lives down. That we would choose to be last. That others would be first. As someone once said, a big man is someone who makes them feel bigger when they're in his presence. I like what Nicholas Buxton says. In giving up the eye of self, by giving up the eye of self as Jesus did on the cross, the self now is truly fulfilled. For the sign of the cross represents nothing more than an eye crossed out. Wounds speak. But they also speak about his giving and what we're supposed to do. Lay your life as a living sacrifice and then get out and give that life away. You want to hear Jesus speak? Then go where the wounds are. Find the hurting. Find the suffering. Because when you do, you'll find Jesus. You'll hear him speak because that's where Jesus is. Please hear this. Jesus isn't about being in the church. 
Jesus died and rose from the dead so you and I would go out and be his church. You want to find him? Now church begins. Do you remember what Jesus said on that day? The father will separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep are followers. The goats are those who thought they were. And do you remember what he says for the sheep? Blessed are you. Welcome into the kingdom. It was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You know what he's saying? Even before Adam and Eve, it's what the kingdom was about. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, I was in prison, and you came and visited me. Blessed. And do you know what the righteous said? The righteous said, when did we see you naked? When do we see you hungry? When do we see you sick? You know what Jesus said? When you were about the least of these, you were about me. You want to see Jesus speak? It ain't in here. It's out there. You want to see God in your life? You want to see God heal your marriage? Then get your eyes off yours. And start building it in others. See, I'm asking right now, some of you older crowd, you keep praying for revival. I'm going to ask you this. Who are you mentoring right now? After church, what have you gotten out of your seat to go and find a younger couple and say, listen, I want to pour into your life. I want to disciple you. If you're not discipling somebody, I don't care how long you've been calling yourself a Christian, you're taken. You're not giving. You want to change the world? Invest in other lives. Help them see Jesus. Quit talking about them. Start walking with them. Get on their Emmaus road because you found Jesus at the table and he broke the bread and you saw the wounds. And you know what the Bible says these followers did? Remember, they're walking away. They're walking away. And the moment they see the wounds, the Bible says within the hour, boom, we're going back to Jerusalem. Come on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Watch this. Bible says they went right back, ran into the room of the disciples and says, it is true. He has risen. He has risen. Wounds speak. Wounds speak. And God needs his church to get about the wounded. God needs his church to get about the wounded. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, for Christ's love compels us. And do you know why? Because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. You know, I heard it said that if you hear Jesus and you don't obey him, you betray him. Yes. If you've heard him and you don't obey him, you betray him. I want to invite the team out, but like a Japanese Kinsaji bowl. Some of you know what I'm talking about. A bowl that's been broken, but yet they glue it back together and they put lacquer on it and they dust it with gold, silver, or platinum. That's who we're supposed to be as a church. It's time for us to go out and pick up the pieces of broken lives and invite Jesus' gold and shining, enduring love to fill, patch, and heal and mend them. Wounds speak. 
I love what verse 32 says. Did we not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Yeah, it burned. But burning here does nothing if it doesn't go out here. And I'm going to talk more about that. It's time for us to recognize we need to get into the playroom. Quit looking at the world and all of its ugly. We serve the living God. I don't care how ugly it gets. He's still beautiful. That's why he said, lift me up and I'll draw. Lift me up. You're concerned about politics? How about this? Lift up the person of Jesus. You're tired of watching things happen like we saw them unfold and you see another shooting going on? Let me tell you, folks, the church has the answer. It's Jesus. You don't legislate that stuff. You lordship that stuff. I don't want to be a church that sits. I want to do it. I don't even get it. I I don't understand it. My mind can't fathom. Well, I love Jesus. I'm not just doing anything. I just don't get it. It makes no sense. I, I, all I could say is you might want to read the Bible because it has a different story. It isn't that one. It isn't in there. It's time for us to quit holding on to the past. But when I grew up in church, let me say, I'm not here to say what you grew up in, but I'm here to tell you, if they told you, you can sit and take, and that's what it's all about. That was not the truth of God's word. It just wasn't. It's not what it's about. It's not about how we grew up. It's about who we grow in. That's what matters. The world needs Jesus. See, this is what happened to John Wesley and Charles Wesley. The very founders, if you will, that we have subscribed to our denomination, which they really weren't, but that's who we ascribe it to. But John was out preaching the gospel, but something hadn't set fire yet. But then he had this experience. Experience that happened that changed his heart. And it would wreck him in such a way he had an Emmaus moment and the bread was broken and he saw the wounds and he quit thinking about his. Charles and John Wesley, he would go on to preach 40,000 sermons traveled 250,000 miles on the back of a horse, write 6,500 hymns, publish 5,000 book tracts and pamphlets. Because when he saw his wounds, he no longer thought about his. Wounds speak. And he gave his life away. Someone once said, unless the eye catch fire, The God you want to see will not be seen. Unless the ears catch fire, the God you want to hear will not be heard. Unless the tongue catches fire, the God that you want to name can't be named. Unless the heart catches fire, the God you want to love can't be loved. Unless your mind catches fire, the God you want to know can't be known. I'm asking today, some of you I think are on the road to Emmaus. Heads down, you're trying to figure it out. You're asking all the right questions, but you're so beside yourself, you can't even recognize the one who's beside yourself.
God is God. There's nothing too big for him. He wants to do something in your life. I want to pray for you in a moment, but as a corporate body and community of believers, it's a word we love to use around here is this community. I share with you, and I'm going to give you, if you will, all the inside scoop. But a week from this Wednesday, we're going to go out on a Wednesday morning, and we're just going to go love and all of our construction people throughout this city. 7 a.m., we're going to meet here in the morning, and some of you are going, I'm going to have to take off some work. It's exactly what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking if our church will lay its life down for a few hours. That we'll recognize the first need to be last. Those who want to need, need to wash feet and serve. Are we doing anything special? Are we printing something? No. We don't need to print it because I believe your life will be that imprint. You'll show up here at 7 a.m. We're going to have horse tanks and it's going to be drink on, it'll be on ice all night long. It'll be cold. We're asking you to bring your own cooler. We're going to gather everybody here. We're going to pray and we're going to fill your cooler up. If you want to come back for more, you can, or when your cooler's empty, you can just go home. Trying to make it as simple as we can. We're going to give you bags of Halloween candy and just take it out there and say, hey, we just want to tell you thank you. Some of you say, why are we doing this? This is a whole lot more for this church than it is for our community. Because we need, we, need to, we need to be in a place that we think of others more important than ourselves. And I, I will tell you, when you get your eyes off your wounds and onto others, relationships will happen like you cannot believe. God will move through a can of pop or a bottle of water and a candy bar like you cannot imagine. It happens in my life every week right now. I could tell you story after story that this week alone, someone asked me, how are you doing? I said, I'm on top of the world, man. And what's really cool, my God's the one holding it up. I'm seeing amazing things. He's breaking the bread. He's asking you to take it. Do you see his wounds? Because see, when you see his wounds, you realize those are there because of yours. And the eyes will open. It will change the way you look. It will change the way you walk. It will change the way you talk. And God will begin to do amazing things. Our goal is to touch about 4,000 workers that day. Someone said, well, with all this pop and canter bar, if we, we have leftovers, we'll do it again. We'll just do it again. And we'll do it again. And I think the information's up on the screen. Is that right, team? Here's what we need from you. Is we're just simply asking you is to right now, just text that. We need to know who's going to be here. Even if you stop and say, well, I got to check with my work. I get that. But if your heart would like to, just text it and say, listen, I would love to. Okay, some of you go, well, I don't bring my phone into church. <laughs> okay, good for you. Borrow the person's next to you, okay? All right? And if you like it, keep it, okay? But, but we're really asking. See, this is what it's about. But see, I fear that what happens is the same thing we do a 24-hour prayer vigil. 10% of our people sign up. And we wonder why God isn't doing what God can do. 
I'm asking all of us. I'm asking that no greater love you'd lay your life down. And let's see what God will do when we then pick up others and we just love on them and we just say things. We'll be able to tell you where you're gonna go. We'll be able to send you out. All of that's being done. And then the last thing I wanna just share with you is that I told you, we will only add services if we're gonna reach lost and broken people. I'm no longer gonna build this church to serve the Christian. I hope, I know that might offend some. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just saying it's not about you. It's not about me. There's no point in me having services that are convenient to your schedule, which I'm just gonna be honest anyway. You're not, it's not real convenient anyway because even though we did it, half the time you weren't even at that one. That's not the reason to do church. I wanna fill it with lost, broken people that they would meet Jesus the way we've met Jesus, then we go out and be Jesus. And I wanna build the kingdom of God as big as we can and then die. It'll be a great party. And so here's the thing is, we're thinking about doing some things. We look back and say, let's look about Sioux Falls. It's a young community. I do know in the summer that, that a lot of people, they, that, that kids have got games. They've got those kind of things, athletic events and the weekends. Um, our world has pretty much said, we don't care about church. So this is when we're going to play. I'm just calling it what it is. And, and the church said, okay. I mean, because that's really what happened. Um, but, but here's the deal. I can't fix that or change it. So that's the world we're in. So to try to just do a Sunday morning service, it's very difficult because people are running on the weekends pretty hard. A lot of them go to lake homes. We have a lot of people at lake homes. So we thought, what if we did a Sunday night service? Just like this, we did it on Sunday night through the summer just to see how it works. But the goal is to fill it up. At the end of the summer, if there's not many people coming, we'll just stop that service and say it was seasonal. It was great. Glad we did it because I believe someone's going to come to know the Lord. But here's what we need your help. One, should we do it? Yeah. Number, number two, when should we do it? What time's best when we think about that? Because we also want to be strategic about it because change is always difficult. That's why someone said, are we going to move? If we add a Sunday morning, another service, are we going to move to 10 o'clock? No. We're going to leave it right at 10. The reason why, we don't need any more change. You've set your life. You've set around it. We're just going to keep doing it. We'll just do something a little earlier like we did at Easter, 8.15 if we do that. But we're really thinking about doing it. We would launch it right after Memorial Day. And we'll see how it goes for the summer. But we want to reach people. And so we know that they're running, but they still need a church. And so we would strategically position that, that we'd say, listen, we, we built something for you. So you would come, and we want to introduce you and tell you about this, this Jesus. So we want to hear from you. We really need to hear that. And so again, should we and when? And we'll look at it. And we'll share with you as we get that feedback, okay? I want to pray for you. Father, there's so many in this room that are on a road to Emmaus. We all need to be on it. I think we are that other disciple. God, I hope they just heard that word. I'm not saying we're any less a disciple. We are a disciple, but there's something you want to do that's so much greater than we can fathom. But it's so easy to get wrapped up in our own world. It's so easy to get wrapped up into all the things that come at us. And we fail to understand and we miss the one within us. God, I pray right now as you're breaking the bread that people are taking it and they're seeing your wounds, that you died for us. And by your stripes, by your wounds, we're healed. And you've got us. No matter how bad it gets, we can still shout with joy 
Our God is God. And you've got us. You're not going to fail us. God, I want to be a church, your church, that's in the business of the hurting, the broken. That God, we've truly met you. And we're so enamored, as Paul said, compelled by such a love to go out into a wounded world, a broken world. Not thinking of our wounds because we've been healed. Seeing their wounds so we can offer healing. God, may that be our heart. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.